welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. This episode's a little bit later than usual, but that's because I needed to find time to watch all the shows that have come out so far this season. Uh, there's a couple still left coming out later in the, co- in the next couple of weeks, but I think we've got most of the ones of interest. Honestly, I've got a lot coming up on other podcasts I'm working on in the last quarter of this year or so, and in some ways, I'm hoping it's not a super jam-packed season that, where I get stressed about not want, being able to watch everything I should be. But we'll get into that. Uh, there are over 60 series and movies I'm going to at least mention at this episode, so let's hop straight in. As a reminder, these reviews are mostly spoiler-free unless I need to spoil something about the first episode to explain the premise and the hook of the series, so you have been warned. First up, the series from last season that I'm keeping up with. Won't go into these too much detail since I just talked about them last episode. Uh, these are Kaizoku Ojo, aka Princess Pirate Fena, Siroi Suno no Aquatope, Maiko Sanchi no Kamenai-san, aka Kyo-chan in Kyoto, and then Obemi, which is a short series. Next up, we have the series that I couldn't find a legal stream for uh, that had or one that had English subtitles. Now, I'm sadly throwing High Dive series in here. I used to have access to High Dive, but unfortunately, due to their decision to pull the library from the VRV app, I would need to add another subscription service to access those. Now, I know it's fairly cheap, but I found that needing to keep track of yet another streaming service just causes me to fall behind and miss episodes. I barely was able to keep up with Grand Blue when it was on Amazon a few years back, and that's also the reason I fell behind and ended up not completing Dororo. Uh, that said, aside from one series in particular this season, it's not as though I'm super hyped for any of these. Of course, that theory of mine will be tested once the anime that Disney Plus announced their licensing next year comes out, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So these series are Kimi Torfit Boxing, uh, Megaton Q Musashi, which is on YouTube but has no English subs, uh, Deji Meets Girl, Lupin the Third Part 6, which once I go back and catch up on other Lupin the Third stuff, maybe I might get high dive for this, um, Siki Zakura, which is also on high dive, and then the sword series 180 seconds uh, for ASMR. Uh, I don't think that's the actual title, that's just what I'm calling in my notes. Uh, similarly, I'm also not following the next batch of series as they are sequels to shows that I didn't watch all of the preceding seasons of. Uh, these are Yuki Yuna Season 3, Hanyo no Yasahime Season 2, Watcha Primaji, Cardfight Vanguard Season 2, Move Love Alternative, and World Trigger Season 3. Enough though about series I'm not watching. Let's get to the actual shows I checked out. First up, in contrast to the last category, these are series that are actually sequels that I am caught up on. Uh, to that end, you probably should check out those first seasons first before you dive into these. Uh, in the interest of not spoiling the first season, I won't go into too much detail, but I'll broadly give you a pitch as to why you should check those series out. First up, we have the second core of the series that started earlier this year, Musoku Tensei Season 2, aka Jobless Reincarnation. Uh, to recap, while it may fall into a lot of tropes for the isekai genre, you know, a loser from the other world is hit by Truck-kun and sent to another world that vaguely resembles his RPG games where he ends up being born with overpowered skills, uh, there's a good reason for that. The original light novel is considered the granddaddy of the modern isekai genre and set a lot of those tropes in the first place. What sets this adaptation apart, though, is the care behind it with some amazing animation provided by Studio Bind, which was set up for the express purpose of this adaptation, uh, which many are expecting go- to go for the full length of the story. Uh, the second half was originally set to come out in summer, but got pushed back a season, uh, which is a good sign, honestly, given that they definitely want to make sure they get this right. Now, this isn't a strictly kid-friendly show. A lot of people have taken umbrage with the perviness of the main character, left over from his days as a loser, but without getting too much into that debate, I think that's part of the show's message, that good people can have flaws, and bad people can do good things 
things and grow. And that's not every, not everything is neatly categorized into purely good and purely bad. In any case, if I'm completely honest, I didn't watch the first episode of the second quarry just yet, but come on, it was neck and neck with Jujutsu Kaisen for my winter anime of the season this year. Um, I was always going to go back and give it a chance. So um, you can watch this on Sundays on Funimation. Another show from this year that's getting its second core comes from Spring, 86, Season 2. Uh, season 1 of 86 followed Lena, an officer in the military, engaged in the never-ending uh, war that is supposedly fought by autonomous mechs, but in reality, those mechs are, led, are piloted by humans who are of the racial minority in the country and have had their human status revoked. Um, Lena leads the Spearhead Squad with the hardiest of the soldiers who are led by Shin, a.k.a. Undertaker. The story basically follows Lena as he comes to grips with how morally corrupt the military is and her growing attachment to Sin and the Spearhead Squad and how far she's willing to go to support them uh, despite what society around her says. In particular, what really sets this so apart is its direction in Season 1. It's among the best of any anime I've ever seen and continues into the first episode of Season 2 that I saw. If you need the comparison, the closest anime I can think of to this is Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, this one airs on Crunchyroll on Saturdays. On the opposite end from Grim War, uh, we have the warm and cuddly uh, Isekai Sokudo Season 2, or Restaurant in Another World. Uh, season 1 followed Western, re Western Restaurant Nikoya, which normally based in Tokyo, every Saturday opens their doors to a fantasy realm. Honestly, there's, there's not too much plot in the show. The inhabitants of this fantasy world are charmed in and taken up by the food that the chef, aka master, cooks up, served by the waitresses Aleta and Kuro. Each client gravitates to their own favorite dish, and each episode basically highlights two or three of these stories. If anything, the show basically is an appetizer that makes me appreciate the food I have all the more. Do not watch this on an empty stomach. Uh, if you're looking for low-stakes comfort food, uh, quite literally, uh, this is the show for you. Order up every Friday on Crunchyroll. Another comfy show to end your week is Let's Make a Mug Season 2. This one is the sword from this past spring about the city of Tajimi and the pottery club at their high school. After Himeno joins the club to join the legacy of her late mother who was a potter herself, the first season focused on Himeno trying to find validation for pursuing the craft by entering a contest. Uh, season 2 picks up after that contest and seems to be focused on, from what I can tell, on her trying to find her creative inspiration. The animated episodes are short, only 14 minutes long, but they're accompanied by a live-action tourism segment featuring the voice actresses exploring the town of Tajimi. If I'm honest, it's not the tippity-top of the cute girls doing cute things genre, but for a short comforting show um, that you know, teaches you a little bit about pottery, it's an easy one to fit this one in. This one airs on Friday on Crunchyroll. On the opposite side of the week, we have Getsu Yobu no Tawawa Season 2, or Tawawa on Mondays. Now, this one has an interesting backstory. The original manga was actually a weekly exercise by the mangaka Kiseki Himura, where he'd post pictures of a blue monochrome uh, girl every Twitter on, on Twitter every Monday to offer some quote-unquote motivation for beleaguered salarymen. It got popular enough that in 2016, a 12-episode, uh, four-minute O. Uh, original net animation was produced for NBC Universal's Japan's YouTube channel, and this is the second uh, season of that. It's not particularly lewd, just some very large opied girls flirting with salarymen. If you find the content of unreasonably buxom girls in the anime offensive, probably not for you, but otherwise, you can check these short episodes out on Monday, as is tradition, on Crunchyroll. 
Moving on to new series, to series that are having their first season this season. Uh, you know, this is another show that fits thematically similar to Tawawa on Mondays. Ganbere Doke-chan. Like Tawawa, this one started off as a Twitter exercise by artist Yomu, who created the show Mirutites. So if you know that, you probably know what you're getting into. It features an office girl, office girl named Doki-chan who has a crush on her co-worker, but then so do some other office workers. Uh, so what's pretty interesting here is that in the Twitter version of these, Doki-chan and Tawawa have canonically crossed over before. So there's a non-zero chance that we get a crossover this season. Anyway, these are super short episodes, about six minutes or so, uh, on Crunchyroll on Monday. So if you want some cute girl Mondays mornings you can get in, to help you face the week, uh, you can do far worse than this. Now, in the interest of me not taking forever to put this episode together, since I'm it's already late, let's do a speed run through different shows that I watched the first episode of and decided they're not for me, uh, if for no for one reason or another. In in no particular order, we have first Tesla Note. It's just uh, not does not look great. It's not as bad as X Arm, but it's it's bad enough that I found myself zoning out before the halfway point of the first episode. Uh, Build Divide is basically an ad for a mobile card game, which does a pretty bad job of making the game seem engaging to play. Um, I'm still waiting for the adaptation of the Magic the Gathering series, destroy all humans, they can't be regenerated. Uh, we have Deep Insanity, The Lost Child, which is similarly an ad for an upcoming video game of the same name about a protagonist sent to explore a mysterious world discovered in the South Pole that has the secret to a mysterious illness that's taken over the world with odd creatures found within it with terrible CGI. Basically feels like a video game adaptation, much like Scarlet Nexus last season, and you know looks pretty pretty bad as well. Uh, Taiso Otome Otogi Banasi, or Taiso Maiden Fairy Tale, is pretty much straight up period romance from the Taiso period about a disabled son who's sent to live in the countryside with his fiancee, provided to take care of him. Uh, she was actually bought off so she can pay off her family debts. Um, in some senses, some sense, this feels like Tony Kawa from last year, or maybe um, Black. Um, the, the Black Duke and his and his maid, um, which you know I did not like either of those series. Um, there's really no good reason for the romance to develop, and the male protagonists are generally you know not uh, self-pitying sacks of misery, so they're pretty unlikable for me. So that's uh, not something I'm about. Selection project. This one reminds me a lot of the idol so idly pride from earlier this year, in that a bunch of girls are working to aim to become the top idol to fill the shoes of a legendary idol who died a few years ago. One girl mysteriously got her singing voice after being hospitalized around the same time that this idol passed away. All in all, we're missing from from selection project is the ghost idol element here. Uh, I will give them credit that they are making use of you know social media with idols. It's pretty interesting. Um, and idly pride wasn't bad per se, but ultimately it was disappointing for what I think the potential it could have had, and absent the factors that made it really stick out in my mind, I can't really see this one doing much better, so I'm not going to bother here. Now we have Mute King, the dancing hero. This one was a bit of an acid trip, in not a great way. I'm generally willing to give dance anime a such, since we don't see a lot of those out there, but the plot and, and world building here was a little bit too low random spork for me to dig it, and the dancing was honestly more like roller dancing than actual dancing dancing. So turns out it's a remake of a, some live action show from the 80s that I never watched, so I guess it makes sense just how crazy it is. Next, we have Sankaku Mado no Sotogawa Ya Yoru, or The Night Before Beyond the Tri Cornered Window. So, nothing against boys' love as a genre. I've actually been waiting for to find the right boys' love series to hook me, but this one ain't it. Uh, while there's some pedigree here, as it's been listed by the author of Jujutsu Kaisen as one of her major influences in creating her own series, uh, the super horniness out and of of the of the top and the somewhat questionable lack of consent uh, from the bottom had me barely able to make it through the first episode. 
Uh, Cinco no Mi, or Fruit of Evolution, reminds me a lot of Tsukimitsu from last season, and that's a self-aware take on the isekai genre that kind of pokes fun at it. However, it ends up on the wrong side of the quality line, as the first episode doesn't give enough compelling world-building to hook me, uh, and it's not a great story in and of itself, and the indicator seems to suggest that over time it'll embrace more and more of the generic tropes that make the genre tiresome, particularly the let's go and collect a bunch of cute girls and make our own harem part of it. So, yeah, not something that I'm looking forward to here. Then we have uh, Kyuketsuki Sugusinu, or The Vampire Dies in No Time. It's a comedy, gag comedy about a vampire lord who ends up partnering and living with a vampire hunter after the hunter burns down the vampire's house. Um, the stick is that the vampire is super weak and dies over and over again, but also has regeneration and keeps coming back trying to cause mischief. I haven't had a great track record with comedy lately in anime, so the fact that the gags are already getting super repetitive in the first episode alone, not a great sign. That said, John the Armadillo is super cute, but unfortunately not enough to get me to keep watching the show. And finally, for the ones I'm dropping, Visual Prison is basically like Hypnosis Mike from last year. Uh, you know, hot boys basically doing music battles. The difference here is Visual K, which is basically Japanese glam rock. Instead of rap, and instead of warring Tokyo districts, it's a future led by... Uh, it's it, 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 in a future led by all women. This one is uh, a, about a vampire boy bands battling out to be loved by the moon. Uh, look, if hot, busy vampire boys are your thing, go for it. The music... Not my taste, and I was unreasonably annoyed by the fact they had like four vocalists on the band and like the background artists who got no sign whatsoever. Um, and the battle was just them singing at each other without actually looking like they felt the effects from each other. So, yeah, not something that I'm actually uh, I, that that seems engaging enough for me. Now that being said, Visible Prison and Vampire Dice in No Time are actually interestingly only the only uh, not the only vampire series we have this season. Um, next up are shows that I'm not sure if I'm going to be dropping or keeping, and I need a couple, one or two more episodes to figure out where I stand on them. Um, the other vampire show this season is Chuki no Laika Todnosferatu. It's a story about an alternate history where a USSR and UK equivalent are in a space race in the 60s. The Russian equivalent wants to send up the first manned spaceflight. However, in order to make sure they won't be embarrassed by a mistake on live broadcast, they secretly recruit vampires who technically don't count as human uh, as test subjects to make sure everything is working properly. Our main character, Lev, is assigned to the vampire arena in Project Nosferatu to train her to become this test subject. Presumably, this one is going to develop into a, a pretty straight vanilla romance. Um, the concept is interesting enough. I mean, vampires in space plus a dash of Cold War military. I'm not sold on the chemistry of the two as, as a couple, um, and not sure how, how much technical space training there's actually going to be, um, which, I, which I want to see more of. It could really go either way for me, honestly. This one airs Sundays on Funimation. If we're sticking to the spooky spooky Halloween theme, why not Ghosts next? Uh, Digimon Ghost Game is the latest iteration of the Digimon franchise. The stick here is that it's set in a distant future where holograms are part of everyday life, but there are rumors of ghost holograms that don't believe like others. Hmm, I wonder what those could be in a world of digital holograms with the Digimon. Uh, anyway, um, you know, in this case, in any case, this one has is very much a school legend hunting vibe. Uh, with our protagonist and his Zidzuman, who looks like he's going to have three Zidzuman tracks, and their friends trying to do their best, you know, uh, elementary and middle school Ghostbuster impersonation. Now, this one is free from the constraints of the Adventure remake, which just wrapped up, which I still haven't and likely won't ever go back to finish, um, in that they can do whatever they want with the characters, and having a smaller class also allows them for more characterization. 
still very much a kids show. It airs on the equivalent of Sunday Saturday morning, so or Sunday morning. So you know, expectations for how high it, what heights it can achieve um, is going to be capped. But I'm willing to give it a shot with the hope that it ends up more like season three of Tamers. Uh, this one airs on Saturday evenings here on the states on Crunchyroll. Uh, so that's su- basically Sunday morning. Now, speaking of mysteries and the supernatural, we have a highly anticipated series in Miruku-chan, aka the girl who can see them. This one's following follows Miko, uh, a seemingly normal girl who has the ability to see ghosts and spirits that haunt the world around her. Her coping mechanism isn't to you know deal with them face on or help them you know cross over into the afterlife, but rather to ignore them and pretend they didn't exist. Now, I'll be honest, as with the vampire comedy uh, one and Urumichi from last season, while the gag is amusing, I'm not sure if it can sustain a full season. Of, season of jokes. Um, the first episode was pretty well done with kind of like a slow burn of the reveal that it's, you can see ghosts. Um, and, you know, it does come very highly recommended from manga readers, so I'm willing to give it a shot. But I'll also acknowledge that I'm viable to drop this sooner rather than later. Uh, this one airs on Funimation every Sunday. Now, kind of on the opposite spectrum from Miyuruku, but still dealing with supernatural things that only one person can see, uh, Platinum N is the latest work from le- the legendary art- author and artist pair Oba and Obada, uh, who made Death Note, among other things, um, and recently wrapped up its run in Sonen Jump's monthly counterpart, Jump Square. The premise is that our protagonist was raised by his abusive aunt and uncle after his family died, unknown, unknown to him being caused by his aunt and uncle, uh, killing them for the insurance money. After trying to commit suicide, he is rescued by an angel who grants him wings and a red arrow that makes targets fall in love with him and a white arrow which would kill people who are hit by it. He uses these to get revenge on his aunt and uncle. Oh, and by the way, him getting these powers means he's one of 13 god candidates. Um, Would have been good to mention that first, uh, Garden Angel. Um, Anyway, it's basically a supernatural battle royale situation. Now, I'm willing to give Oba and Obata benefit of the doubt a benefit of the doubt given their history. However, word is from the manga readers that the story kind of goes off the rails toward the end. Um, what's worth the production quality doesn't really look like what you'd expect from a typical Suisa adaptation, um, which again doesn't really bode well. The last anime adaptation from a completed jump series was, I believe, Promised Neverland Season 2, which, well, the less said about that, so the better. Um, I'm willing to give it time to breathe, but also we'll have my guard up ready to drop it. Uh, you can check this out on Crunchyroll every Thursday. Now, moving to a slightly more happy so, uh, Pura Ore, or Pride of Orange, is a cute girls doing cute things series with cute things being ice hockey. Now, I'm willing to give the sports series a chance, especially for something not soccer or basketball or baseball. Uh, the production team is C2C, certainly have proved they can make a decent looking so in recent years. However, we also got bamboozled here, and it's not only a hockey so, it's also an idol so. The old bait and switch, kind of like an opposite Zombieland saga. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The reason why they randomly go idle after winning a game in the opening scene seems to be their very amusing coach who has these dreams of leading a hockey slash idol hybrid team, uh, which for some reason everyone tells their can't be a thing. I wonder why. Um, anyway, where this so could lose me, but basically focuses all on the idol stuff and does gives like no credence to the actual hockey development. Um, I really want to get like into the weeds of like the mechanics of the game. So you know, hopefully it doesn't go that route um, of of going pure idol. But only time will really tell. Uh, pure Aura arrows on Funimation on Wednesdays. Another what I call hobby so this season is the highly anticipated. Uh, Blue Period. Now, this one is a bit unique in that Netflix, of all streaming platforms, picked this one up. 
However, as opposed to the traditional Netflix jail model of waiting till the season is done before dropping all of it at once to binge, this one is one of the first forays into weekly releases, at least here in the States. Granted, it's not the same date as it airs in Japan, it's about one week behind in order to let them get subs and dubs in place, um, but still better than, than, than what it has been previously. In any case, onto the series itself. It follows the hardworking delinquent Yatara, who doesn't really have any real passions in life. Um, he's really good at school, but you know doesn't have any ambitions for what he wants to be. He discovers, though, he actually has he feels really alive when he starts painting in art class, and he decides to apply for the Tokyo University of Arts for for college. Now, like I said, this was highly recommended by the manga readers. I checked out the first chapter, um, and I can see why. Um, I'm going to give it time to breathe a little bit here, right? First impressions are that there are certainly moments, particularly when it comes to sewing off artwork, that really come alive and really science. What around those moments, though? doesn't really capture me quite as much. And, you know, as with most hobby series, the more technical they get, um, the better I find them. So depending on how much they get into the, te the technicals of how to be a good artist, I'll like it more. The less they do that, I'm probably going to get bored. Obviously, a hobby series about art and drawing and painting will hopefully resonate with the animators here to really flex, but that's something we can't tell from just the first episode. Um, as I said, this one airs on Netflix every Saturday. Now this next one I really couldn't fit in anywhere uh, in this category, but you know, next one is Sekai Saiko no Anatsusa Isekai Kizoku ni Tensei Suru, or the world's finest assassin gets reincarnated in another world as an aristocrat. Um, it's as you can tell, a light novel adaptation and another Isekai. This one actually comes from the same author as Redo of Healer, though it doesn't quite like, quite to be see as controversial, degenerate, as the other one. As the title says, this one's basically about an assassin from our world who is reincarnated into the world of swords and sorcery after not really trusting anyone in our world. The twist here on the typical Isakai format is first, as our world's greatest assassin, there's a good reason for him to be overpowered with all of his knowledge. Uh, the fact that he's not a loser reincarnated to another world, but a highly competent, grizzled old man is also fairly refreshing, and you know, he still has something to learn, right? Learning how to trust other people. The other twist at the end of the episode is that he's being reincarnated by a goddess not to be a hero, but to eliminate another hero. Now granted, there do seem to be some of the more conventional elements of Isekai, the cute girl harem we briefly see in the opening sequences and such. But call me intrigued, with the differences in the standard formula, that's enough for me to give this a shot. Uh, anyway, this one airs on Crunchyroll on Wednesdays. Finally, we have one of three mecha series I've checked out. Um, interestingly, all three are on the spec somewhere on the spectrum between super mecha and me real mecha genre, with this one being the one in the middle. Uh, Kyokai Senki, or Amiyama Warrior at the Borderline, tells a story of an alternate history Japan where... I guess alternate future Japan, where it's been invaded and split up among four other trade factions, enforced by humanoid autonomous mechs called the Amiyam. Wow. Well, Amiyam. Wow. Anyway. Or is it Amiyam? Am aim, sorry. Anyway, Amo, a Japanese citizen, comes across an autonomous AI who installs itself into an am aim that Amo had been building by himself in the mountains just because. Um, anyway, uh, you know, and, and presumably the story is going to go down with him, you know, freeing Japan from the foreign influence. Now, on the mech side of things, it's a Sunrise production. And, you know, that means that the mechs are always going to look good. And they do, right? They're hand-drawn. They're not CG. They look great in action. And like I said, it's a split between real and mech, super mech series. And that it's basically a straight-up military uh, mech story. Um, but the AI helping Amo feels like it's been pulled out of a super robot series where he's encouraging him to yell the combat moves and such. And the, the cutesy avatar it has really contrasts the, the mech, which is pretty interesting. Um, that said, you know, the split identity between mech, super mech and, and real mech is, is concerning if 
they'll be able to navigate that. The other thing concerning for me is that the political undertones is of, oh, woe is Japan from foreign influence. We need to flush out the foreign powers, which, you know, I'm not sure I feel about that. Um, I think given the two other mech series, I'll I'll think about this for a sec. I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. This one has the sort of end of the stick. It could be good, but it could also very well just be the one where, okay, I'm getting my mech fix for the week. I don't really need more. Uh, I'm open to be seeing, being surprised, though. Uh, Kyokai Senki airs on Funimation on Mondays. Now, last of other shows I've started, where the, show, the shows I'm more or less certain are the ones to definitely check out this season. Maybe not be to your taste, but definitely worth checking out at least. Um, back on the mecha train, going first to the real robot genre, we have uh, Sakugan. Now, it's not it's real in that the mechs aren't you know super powered by passion or whatever, but um, you know the, the the world is still pretty not quite real, right? The premise is that humans live in an underground world called Labyrinth, with the tunnels between settlements not being fully mapped out. The father character Gagumber works in a mech drilling for ore, assisted by his daughter Memempu, who dreams of going to the into the labyrinth to find the path to the surface to see the sky that she's dreamed of as a um as you know in a role as a marker which is what those people who go in and, and find and are called uh, circumstances arise in the first episode that basically puts them to explore the unknown world of the labyrinth uh, there's a lot to love here the character and mech designs are fairly distinct the action sequences animations we get as well as the background art are stunning and the chemistry and, and, and voice acting of the father-daughter bickering dynamic has real emotional heart to the series now, there are a lot of comparisons I can make here. The episode one of Gurren Lagann, Made in Abyss, Decadence, some ma massive of these three things. I think it's, you know, going to be one part road trip show, one part action adventure, one part family bonding, which are all things I, I think would work well in combination. This was directed by Junichi Wada, who, for me, who, relevant for what I'm interested in, was the episode director for the first season of Log Horizon, which is a good sign, especially given that Satellite, the studio that worked on that season of Log Horizon, which is one of my favorites of all time, also is working on this. Uh, Sakugan airs on Thursdays on Crunchyroll. On the opposite of the robot scale in Super Robot, we have, uh, uh, you know, um, Gyakuten Senkai no Denitsi Sojo, a.k.a. Rumble Garandal. Tells the story of about an alternate history Japan where there are two factions. One is very militaristic and traditionalist who doesn't really condone or accept otaku or weeb culture. Uh, TLDR, that faction launches an attack on the rest of Tokyo, uh, specifically Kabuchiko or Shinjuku, known for its host clubs and the like, where their mechs, and their mechs you know, come into town and, and start burning things down due to intel that the resistance movement uh, is based there. Our protagonist is a reluctant host who, you know, happens to come across a Sark-themed mech and ends up, you know, going in and meeting the AI of the mech, uh, which, you know, what, what gets this into the super mech genre is the AI's ability to power up or power down based on how excited and motivated they get by, you know, being uh, inspired by various weeby otaku stuff, such as the main protagonist's ringtone, which is secretly uh, the soundtrack from a Sark-themed anime in-universe. Now, this one definitely leans a lot into the super robot elements of Gurren Lagann. Um, I mean, the, the commander of the Resistance who we meet in the first episode basically looks like Kamina, uh, really. Uh, now, this one, you know, now we'll see how long it carries along, but this one looks like, if anything, a wild, wild ride. Will it end up like Gurren Lagann, or will it end up like uh, Back Arrow? Who knows? Um, this one's produced by Studio Lurch, and or is directed by Masaomi Ando. Um, you know, both he and the studio worked on Crude Girls doing zombies revival things, so Gaku Gurashi. Uh, this one airs Mondays on Funimation. 
Now, Sifting Genres, I'm definitely not a fan of the female Kohai male senpai romance series. Things like Uzaki-chan, which I barely finished, Nagatoro-san, Tagaki-san, and Tagaki-kasi. However, I found that the more adult the characters are, such as Uzaki being college age, the more tolerable and even enjoyable their romances can be, especially when there's less bullying involved. Um, that's the case here with Senpai, Pag Uzai, Kohai no Hanasi, or My Senpai is Annoying. This one features a short, green-haired Futaba, the young saleswoman, and her senpai Harumi, a very large guy with a booming voice, and they're working and possibly romantic relationship. Uh, this is produced by Doga Kobo, and if this one can bring out the cuteness of their souls like Hogaku Tebonisi, along as the romance of Gekan Sojo Nozaki-kun, I think this one's going to be good. I did read some, though not all of the manga here, and the office slice of rice life romance is one I know will be amusing to know, and so basically a bunch of small vignettes of life in the office together, um, and you know, it, it there's, there's no childish you know insecurities or mean-spirited bullying that we see from these, some other shows in the genre, so yeah, I think this one's to be fun to check out. Um, this one airs Saturday on Funimation. Now moving to fantasy, I've also read some of the chapters of this next one, Saihate no Paladin or Faraway Paladin. This one follows the story of Will, a young human boy who is being raised by three undead, the skeleton warrior Blood, mummy priestess Mary, and warrior and wizard ghost Gus. Uh, long, ago, long story short, this one tells of Will's journey of trying to understand where he came from, how he came to be raised uh, by these undead beings, um, and eventually exploring the world as the titular paladin. I really don't want to spoil the story, so you know, if you trust me, just trust that the story is good, at least up to the part of the manga that I read, which is, from my understanding, essentially the prologue to a much larger adventure story of him finding his place in the world. Where I do have a bit of concern is the animation quality. It doesn't quite match the stunning black and white artwork in the manga, but nonetheless, I think the strength of the story here will be enough to carry it. Uh, this one airs on Saturday on Crunchyroll. Also in the fantasy genre, we have Shin no Nakama Janai to Yusa no Party wo Oidashitera no de Henyoku de Slow Life su Koto Nisimasita. <sighs> or, Banished from the Heroes Party, I Decided to Live a Quiet Life in the Countryside. This one, if you can't tell, is a light novel adaptation, though surprisingly it is not an isekai, just a typical fantasy swords and sorcery world. The long and short of this is that uh, in the story, Red is a former member of the Heroes Party, but due to not being able to level up as quickly and, ha uh, and ha not having as much of an impact in battle, he's encouraged by one of the other party members, not the hero, someone else, uh, to leave the party uh, for the sake of the hero, uh, who apparently is someone very close to him from childhood. Uh, he ends up in the middle of nowhere town on the frontier where Red aims to run his own apothecary, uh, basically a pharmacy. That sounds like the drugstore pharmacist isekai from, from last season. Uh, the difference here, though, is that, you know, while there are certainly comfy vibes going on where, you know, presumably you have, like, the slow-paced country life, um, it doesn't make the same mistakes that other comfy isekai make, like drugstore isekai or Grace of the Gods or Kill 300 Slimes or Kuma 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 Bear, where those shows have zero tension whatsoever. There's the, the, the main character is never in danger, never have any conflict, really, or, or very minimal conflicts. However, here, the protagonist isn't overpowered. He's certainly well accomplished and, and can take care of himself, but no means invincible. And he has his own conflict internally with his his developed inferiority complex of, you know, I don't belong on the hero's party. So I'm, I i have not read the source material, but I can definitely see a plot where his old party or, or things from his past come up where he has to reckon with those and kind of find peace with himself. And that's the conflict that the source is going to have to deal with. It's a more an internal battle as opposed to an external one. Um... Now, I think that that strikes the balance between the comfy, slow-paced life, but actually having some character growth that I, I've wanted from this kind of genre for a while. 
This one airs on Funimation on Wednesdays. That brings us to our last three shows, which are contenders, in my opinion, for anime of this season early on. First up is Heike Monogatari. This one's produced by Science Saru, Masaki Yuasa Studio, but directed by longtime KyoAni director Naoko Yamada, um, who's worked on K-On, Tamako Market, and A Silent Voice. Now, Heike Monogatari started a bit before the season began in September, but I'm counting it for this season. It's a retelling of the tale of Heike, uh, an epic poem from the 14th century that talks about the 12th century conflict between the Taira and Minamoto clans. Basically a Japanese version of the Trojan War or Beowulf or the like, or, or you know, you know, epic saga of Gilgamesh or the like. Uh, Yamada does take some liberties, adding some supernatural elements into the story, but I don't think it takes away from the actual core story. Um, I'm feeling this is, I'm probably missing out on some cultural context, you know, kind of like if somebody didn't know Greek mythology, they wouldn't get the Trojan War. But, you know, the artistry displayed by Sain Saru in the animation is breathtaking and more than makes up for the difference. Um, you know, the series is fairly far along by this point, but you can catch up by watching it on Wednesdays on Funimation. Now, on the flip side, the most recent airing show that just had its first episode is Osama Ranking, or Ranking of Kings. This one is an adaptation by Witch Studio of a manga about a young deaf prince named Boji who basically tries to become a great king one day uh, despite being perceived as ev- by everyone in the kingdom as not being fit for the throne, being somewhat foolish, especially with him being deaf. I know, you know, it's nothing, I know nothing of the source material, but Wit has done a lot to really earn my goodwill with their past shows, uh, even though the recent financial reports have shown them to be running at a loss. Uh, this story looks like it's going to be a bit of a slower burn, you know, him, uh, Boji, kind of r- rising up the ranks to become king of his country and then presumably ranking against other kings. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, that I, I, and, and there's a cliffhanger at the end of the episode that despite his perceived foolishness, there's more to him that meets the eye. Uh, the subtle world building and smooth animation, which, you know, the animation here is an interesting contrast, like the ac- action scenes we see here, actually, or a contrast to the storybook fairy tale vibe that we're getting from the character designs. It has me excited to see, you know, this coming of age story unfold. Uh, Osama Rankings airs on Funimation on Thursdays. Finally, we have Tact OP at Destiny. Uh, this was a collab between Madhouse and MAPPA, uh, arguably two of the highest quality anime studios out there today. It seems that they're trading off episodes, with MAPPA taking the first episode, Madhouse taking the second one, and so on. Uh, anyway, this story is set in a world where music cannot be played, as it attracts monsters known as D2s who wreak havoc when they hear it. Uh, that's a problem for a music-obsessed uh, protagonist, Tact. Luckily, uh, he's partnered with Cassette, a somewhat emotionally repressed girl who can transform into what's basically a magical girl called a music art who can actually do battles with the D2s. Not only are the action sequences here stunning, um, as you'd expect from MAPPA, but the soundtrack is a banger as well, which is really impressive given that the cla- they have a lot of classical music in here using Beethoven's Be- Be- Moonlight as a battle theme um, and leaning hard on those classical music motifs. Basically, it's if your lie in April masked up with MAPPA's other uh, other ill-fated classical or not classical but music battle sort anime listeners from last year, which you know to this day I somehow finished despite me giving it a one at the end. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you know, it, it actually has actual budget animation here. You know, and add on some Americana road trip vibes like Apare Landman and you know some unexpectedly hilarious comedy, and you've got a jam. Uh, this one airs on Tuesdays on Crunchyroll. 
So that's all the releases that have come out so far this season. That said, there's still a bunch more um, for the rest of the year to look forward to. A quick rundown, roughly in order of release. Um, no, not strictly in anime, but Donghua, uh, the Donghua series Ancient Girls Fame is out on Funimation this season. Haven't checked out the first episode, so can't give my impressions yet. Um, Pokemon Evolutions, I guess it's technically out now. It's a an OV, a six-episode OVA series released, or oh, eight episodes, released roughly every other week or week, uh, four in October, four in December. It just explores different parts of the Pokemon world uh, as part of the 25th anniversary. Animation looks pretty good, so check it out on YouTube. Um, similarly, Bright Samurai Soul is a film that's already been released by Netflix. That's an anime spinoff of the fantasy cop film Bright, uh, starring Will Smith. Though, you know, this one doesn't have Will Smith, though Simu Liu is uh, providing the English voice acting here. Um, I guess if you watch Bright the movie, you probably want to check this out, but I can't. I didn't, so I can't say if I ever will. Uh, Komi-san Can't Communicate is this show's latest release, or late release, uh, one of them. Uh, it technically released in Japan already on the 7th, but has a two-week delay um, being released worldwide before being released worldwide on Netflix. Uh, much like Blue Period, though, uh, is in this new phase of Netflix releases. Haven't checked it out myself, um, so I'll report back when it officially releases on October 21st, but manga, read manga readers seem to really love it. Gundam Breaker Battlelog is an OVA series from Gundam with the Gunpla Battling World. Um, I still need to check out their other Gundam timelines, but in the meantime, I think I'll check this one out for sure on their YouTube since I love, you know, Build Fighters and Build Fighters Try. Um, Blade Runner uh, Black Lotus is not a Magic the Gathering thing, but a Crunchyroll and Adult Swim original series set in the world of Blade Runner in 2032 after the blackout sword from Shinichi Watanabe in 2017 ahead of the Blade Runner 2049 movie. Looks like this one will be 13 CG episodes starring, starting on November 14th. Super Crooks looks to be an anime super heist series, I think, from Studio Bones, uh, airing November 25th based on the Icon Comics imprint of Marvel from 2012. Directed by Motonobu Hori, who worked on Carol and Tuesday and Beck, this one feels like Great Pretender meets My Hero Academia, which apparently they have the character designer, or the, the lead animator for season two working on this, um, with a touch of the classic Bones plot, uh, goodness of that Bebop movie. And the more I look at this one, the more interested I think I am. Speaking of Bebop, this isn't technically anime, but the live-action cowboy Bebop series starring John Cho with music from Yoko Kano drops on Netflix November 19th. That's the same weekend as Anime NYC, by the way, so live-action stuff all around that weekend. I'm definitely going to check this one out. December 10th, we have the next arc of the Demon Slayer series, the Entertainment District arc, starting. Um, technically, Demon Slayer is airing right now with an, with an adaptive TV version of uh, the Infinity Train movie that broke records this and last year. But for most people, it'll probably wait until December to pick up the next arc. There was a one-off special episode that just aired about Rengoku from the movie um, to start that broadcast, but I haven't seen it yet myself. Also in December, we don't quite know when, but Jojo Bizarre Adventure Part 6, Stone Ocean, will be releasing on Netflix as well. Now, they're doing a bit of a different model where they're releasing batches of episodes each month. And then after those four episodes have aired on Japanese TV, um, they'll release the next floor, the next four internationally on Netflix um, and then do the television release in Japan. Um, I'm hoping I can find the time between now and whenever this starts to catch up with Jojo so I can be invested in this. And then finally, some movie releases. Uh, Violet Evergarden movie released last year in Japan, came out on Netflix recently. Um, My Hero Academia, World Hero Mission, will come out in theaters here in the States, I believe the end of October via Fathom Events. And then Sword Art Online Progressive movie will air in early December here in the States. 
Anyway, that's all the anime this season. To do a quick recap, I'm following two full-length weekly series from last season and one monthly series and one sort. Kaizoku Oju, Sivor Siuna no Aquatope, Michael Santino Kamenai-san, and Obey Me. Um, I'm also following three full-length and two sort sequels. 86 Season 2, Isekai Sokodu Season 2, Musoko Tensei Season 2, Let's Make a Mug Season 2, Tawawa on Monday Season 2. I'm also definitely following eight full-length and one sort series. Annoying Senpai, Bands from the Party, Far Away Paladin, Heike Monogatari, Osama Ranking, Rumble Garandal, Sakugan, Takt OP Destiny, and Gambare Doki-chan. That's 13 full-length series and four sorts that I'm definitely watching. I'm also giving a chance to the following eight series. Blue Period, Digimon Ghost Game, Kyokai Senki, Miyoruko-chan, uh, Platinum and Pura Ore, uh, Reincarnated Assassin, and Tsuki no Laika. Not to mention the upcoming fall series like Komi-chan and Blade Runner, which I'm not counting here. Overall, you know, that's, um, I believe, you know, potentially 21 series, but I don't think I'm going to be following all of that for sure. Overall, though, it's pretty evenly split. Um, there are 25 weekly series total. Um, 13 of these are running on the weekends, Friday through Sunday, um, and then 12 are running Monday through Thursday on the weekdays. Similarly, 13 are running on Crunchyroll, 11 on Funimation, and 1 on Netflix. So yeah, that's the fall anime season. Definitely looking exciting. Uh, definitely a lot going on. Again, I have a lot of other projects out here, so we'll see how well I keep on a week-to-week basis on following up with all of these. But in any case, that's a wrap on this episode. What are your favorite anime from fall 2021 so far? Which ones do you think I've missed out on that maybe I should go back and reconsider? Will you be casting me at Anime NYC in November when I go when I go cover it for press? Who knows? Uh, you can let me know on Twitter at yetanoanimepod or via email at yetanotheranimepodcast at gmail.com. Follow my, my analyst at ninjaboy333, boy with and I will find on all the major podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend who loves anime. If you want to more directly support the show, you can do so on Patreon.com. Links to all of that will be in the show notes. Intro and outro music provided by Suichi Sakagami, Tandas.com. Editing and production by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Next time on yet another anime podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing, so it will be a surprise to both of us. Anyway, until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs>